You're listening to Comedy Central. Spirit Airlines has announced that they are merging with Frontier Airlines. Yes. Quite literally, they're gonna put the planes together and as the passengers, we will like look into each other's faces as we fly. You thought things couldn't get worse, but they did. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a lot of people were like, ah, Spirit and Frontier. I think people are thinking of it the wrong way because in math, I learned that if you multiply a negative and a negative, you get a positive. So technically, this is gonna be the greatest airline of all time. Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city in America, it's The Daily Show, ears edition. Tonight, Pence takes on Trump. Joe Rogan apologizes again. And Michael S. Regan. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah. And joining me for today's headlines is my good friend, Michael Costa. What's going on, Michael? How you doing? I'm good. I'm getting ready for Valentine's Day. Ooh. You know, yeah. I do my normal Valentine's Day routine. Yeah. I Googled how to make good sex. I booked a head-to-toe waxing. Ooh. I booked a reservation at a great restaurant, French. Jacques in the box. Oh, so that's very nice. nice. I like that. You know, it's odd that the love holidays in February. What am I supposed to think about how much I love my wife while I'm shoveling frozen dog shit off the sidewalk? You know? Maybe it's the maybe it's the cuddling. Maybe it's like, yeah. you know, it's a good time to be, it's, you know? It's, it's and we'll be cuddled together. Yeah, it, but it, it, it's it, weird that you have that thought because like where we're from, the, the love thing is in the summer. So I've never thought of it that way. I feel like where you're from is, is more loving, possibly. In fact, where I'm from, it made more sense that Cupid had no clothes. Right. This, now it's just weird. Yeah, Cupid would be like, you yeah. know, just his eyes. He couldn't huh. even get the bow ready. No, nothing. Yeah. All yeah. right, uh, <laughs> let's jump straight into today's headlines. We kick things off in the metaverse. It's the virtual world that's just like the real world, by which I mean yeah. Mark Zuckerberg is harvesting your data there too. Companies like Meta, AKA Facebook, are betting billions of dollars on the hope that virtual reality is the future of human interaction. But as they get started, they're finding out that in many ways, the people of the future are all too much like the people of the past. Meta is launching a new tool for its virtual reality worlds after users reported virtual groping and other abusive behavior. The personal boundary default setting will allow users to feel like there's four feet of space between them and others. Meta says this will make it easier to avoid unwanted interactions. I mean, come on, in the virtual world now? It comes after a woman claims she was verbally and sexually harassed within a minute of joining a virtual game last year. Yeah, look, people, none of this is surprising. I mean, anytime a new technology has been invented, it has quickly been used to harass people. You know, right after man discovered fire, creeps were probably like, awesome, now I can show my dick to strangers at night. (laughs) But still, the metaverse was not designed for you to sexually harass others, okay? It was designed to distract everyone from Facebook's other scandals. And what I don't understand is how Facebook couldn't weed out these people before they get into the metaverse. How are these people even getting into the metaverse? Like, think about it. Facebook has information on everybody. How come they can't tell who's an internet pervert, but then they can show me ads for crutches three days before I get hit by a car, huh? But obviously, this is really about the principle of feeling safe and respected. It's not actual sexual assault. You know, no one in the metaverse even has a butt to grab. There's nothing below the waist. That's why everyone in the metaverse goes to the bathroom out of their mouth. It's a really weird experience. I actually feel like I know where this is going though. You know, they're gonna say, 
well, we tried making avatars without bottoms and that didn't work, so maybe we should try one where nobody has tops either. It's gonna be just faces, like a book of faces. Nothing can go wrong with that. We'll be like, wow, this is the future. I actually have a controversial solution to this. Uh, this is what I think Meta should do. Meta should do nothing. Yeah, I said it. Meta should do nothing. Let sexual harassment run wild in the metaverse. Just do it. Because think about it. If we can trap all the sexual harassers in the metaverse, we won't have to worry about sexual harassment in the real world. Yeah, all the creeps will be at home with their VR helmets, touching each other's cartoon nipples. The rest of us will just interact with actual humans, safe from sexual harassment. It's a win-win, huh? Huh? It's a great idea. I mean, keep in mind, this isn't actually dangerous. You know, you're not in a dark alley, you're in your living room. And your dad's upstairs, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, and how did this even happen? Aren't the only people in the metaverse Facebook executives? <laughs> right? It feels like it's the only anybody has access to this thing. Now, keep in mind, Trevor, we have personal space rules in real life, too. Yeah. And they get violated. That's true. You know, you ever take the L train late at night, 10 p.m., you got a 69 somebody just to get in the car. So we should and improve it, that. I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing on the L train. No. Granted, I'm always in like the preferable position in the 69. Yeah. I always say you want to be like head up. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're the nine. I am. Yeah, guess who's, guess who's the six? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes when we do this, I feel like I'm the six right here. <laughs> all right, all right, let's move on to the big political news from over the weekend. The Republican Party right now is uh, more divided than Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. The big debate is between a small handful of conservatives who think it is wrong to try and steal an election versus the majority of Republicans who say overthrowing democracy is just legitimate political discourse. Well, now Mike Pence has chosen a side. The former vice president, Mike Pence, rebuked President Trump's insistence that Pence could have rejected the Electoral College results on January 6th. President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. But President Trump is wrong. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. Ooh, Mike Pence standing up to Donald Trump. Hey, hey. Look at my guy trying new things for the first time. Next week, player's gonna be having sex with his eyes open. But still, good for Pence. And it's gonna be fun watching him endorse Trump for re-election in two years. He was right, I should have done it. And next time, maybe I will. Now, as, as part of the January 6th committee's investigation, it has been collecting documents from the Trump White House to find out what people might have been saying at the time of the insurrection. And this has turned out to be harder than it should for a couple of reasons. For one, Donald Trump had a habit of tearing up everything that he read. Yeah. And not even to hide stuff, just anything he was done with, he just tear it up and throw it on the floor. Probably his revenge on paper for making him read it. And now we're finding out that the stuff Trump didn't tear up, he sometimes kept as souvenirs. The National Archives had to head down to Mar-a-Lago to take back some White House documents former President Trump had apparently taken to Florida. According to the Washington Post, Trump improperly removed multiple boxes from the White House. To be clear, by law, all those records 
should have been turned over to the National Archives and Records Administration. They say that this box mostly contained things like mementos, you know, letters between world leaders like uh, leader of North Korea, Kim Jong-un, for example. Oh, guys. I can't believe that Trump saved Kim Jong-un's old love letters. That's so romantic. And I, I get it. I really do. I get it. Like, a lot of people keep stuff that's sentimental. Like, I, I still keep my old letters from high school. You know, I've got one here. Really beautiful. As a... Dear Trevor, I love you. You're like a brother to me. A sweet, sweet younger brother. A real member of my family. <laughs> Damn, she wanted me bad. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised that his own letters are the only thing that Trump took from the White House. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, when he got kicked out, I thought he'd just stuff as much stuff into his pockets as he could, you know? Like, he'd get out there and then White House security would shake him and the bust of Frederick Douglass would just fall out of his pants. He'd be like, I don't know who that is, but I'm learning more and more about him every day. Fantastic guy. I think we would have gotten along great. So great. If these pictures were in Korean, it's possible Trump thought that Eric had just drawn him a picture, you know? <laughs> I think it's great that Pence stepped up to Trump. Yeah. Not that Trump probably even heard him because he's just in the metaverse harassing everybody, but <laughs> Pence letting loose. I like this. I heard he tried 2% milk for the first time as well. He's getting edgy. <laughs> he's getting edgy. He's getting real edgy. He's getting edgy, He yeah. saw him, they even paused for effect. Yeah. Trump said I could do this. He was raw. Yeah, that was good. It was powerful, it was, was sexy. Good. That was good. Him and mother tonight. <laughs> They might even hug. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's it for the headlines. When we come back, we're gonna be talking about the new Joe Rogan scandal that is rocking Spotify. So don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Show. Let's talk about Joe Rogan. The scariest thing to come out of the show Fear Factor. After a week of scandal surrounding his anti-vaccine podcasts, Joe Rogan is still in the news, which is rare in America. I mean, in this country, news cycles are here today, gone tomorrow. Breaking news, dinosaurs have come back from the dead and are destroying cities around the globe. All right, moving on. Kim and Kanye are fighting again. Now, if you, if you remember, the whole reason that Joe Rogan got into trouble in the first place was because rock legend Neil Young said that he refused to be on the same platform as Joe Rogan if Joe Rogan was gonna be spreading lies about vaccines. So then, because of the backlash, Joe Rogan apologized. And a lot of people were like, okay, okay, we're moving in the right direction. Even The Rock was like, great job, Joe Rogan. Let's grab a drink. But just before Joe Rogan could get that drink, another musician, India Ari, I am not my hair. Well, she put out her own video online saying that there's a different reason that she doesn't want to be on the same platform as Joe Rogan. And this was it. I want to leave a short message here about why I decided to, why I decided to ask my music be pulled off of Spotify. Spotify is built on the back of the music streaming. So they take this money that's built from streaming and they pay this guy $100 million, but they pay us 0.003% of a penny. Just take me off. I don't want to generate money that pays this. This is why. Watch this. You know, the nigger thing. Yeah. Saying the word nigger. Why? Well, you've already said nigger. D is just like nigger. Well, saying nigger. She's calling you a nigger. It's like this boy that he's a nigger and starts calling them niggers. Word nigger. There should be a word like nigger, especially like the word nigger. That's our nigger. About niggers. He says nigger. Guy a nigger. And then our niggers start saying nigger. How to use the word nigger. Out the word nigger. See nigger. Word nigger. Say nigger and he couldn't say nigger. And it's nigger. Woo! That's a lot 
part of the N-word. And with the hard E-R as well, which is never a good thing. If there's ever a video of you saying the N-word that many times, you better pray one of two things. Either you're a black person or you're a dead man from history. Yeah, because then the worst thing they can do is take your statue down and move it into a museum. (gasps) And as bad as it was seeing a supercut of Joe Rogan dropping the N-word like he bought it in bulk at Costco, an even worse part of the video, I know, yeah, an even worse part of the video is when Joe Rogan, again on his podcast, told a story about going to a movie in a black neighborhood. And this is what he said. So I go, you gotta go to uh, one where there's Planet of the Apes, man. We're gonna go see Planet of the Apes. So I look on the iPhone app and it says, okay, take me to this one. And the guy goes, okay. I go, is that in a good neighborhood? He's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Guy barely speaks English. He takes us there. We get out and we're giggling. Ooh, we're gonna go see Planet of the Apes. We walk into Planet of the Apes. <laughs> we walked into Africa, dude. We, we, we walked in the door and there was no white people. There was no white people. Wow. That video is so bad, it actually made me miss the N-word video. Ah, the good old days. I mean, you, you walk into a cinema in a black neighborhood and you call it Planet of the Apes? Oof. I mean, unless he means he was blown away by the black neighborhood cinematography and storytelling, although I doubt it. Anyway, because of this video, right, and India Ari, Joe Rogan was forced to make yet another stop on his Apology World Tour. And this one was a lot more, and I mean a lot more apologetic than his vaccine video. I'm making this video to talk about the most regretful and shameful thing that I've ever had to talk about publicly. There's a video that's out that's a compilation of me saying the N-word. It's a video that's made of clips taken out of context of me of 12 years of conversations on my podcast and it's all smushed together and it looks fucking horrible, even to me. Now, I know that to most people, there is no context where a white person is ever allowed to say that word, never mind publicly on a podcast. And I agree with that now. I haven't said it in years, but for a long time, when I would bring that word up, like if it would come up in conversation and stay, instead of saying the N word, I would just say the word. Like that context was part of the clip we were talking about Red Fox, how Red Fox said that word on television in the 1970s and how times have changed so much since then. Or about how Richard Pryor used it as one of the titles of one of his albums. But for years I used it in that manner. I never used it to be racist because I'm not racist, but whenever you're in a situation where you have to say, I'm not racist, you fucked up. And I clearly have fucked up. Yeah, you can tell Joe Rogan knows he is in trouble. Because in the vaccine video, if you remember, like he's outside, he's enjoying a nice day. Here he was in the library. He's like, look, I'm learning. See the books? I'm learning. Shit is serious. And you can tell it's serious, you can tell, because he's like, guys, my brain used to think a certain way, it does not think that way anymore at all. I disavow that man, I disavow him. You know what this kind of reminded me of? It kind of reminded me of of when my mom used to get the belt, 
and I was a little kid, and I'd be like, mommy, mommy, old Trevor like cookies, but new Trevor does not think that way anymore. New Trevor doesn't even know where the cookies are on the top shelf. And going forward, I only wanna eat vegetables, mommy, please. Now, even though Rogan apologized, um, this was strange. A lot of people were arguing sort of against his apology, saying that the N-word with context is totally fine for a white person to say. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I understand what they're saying. Like, you know, maybe you're a professor teaching history. Maybe you're a news anchor reporting on a story about Joe Rogan. Maybe you're in a Quentin Tarantino movie and you have to use the N-word because if you don't, then the movie has no dialogue. But, but for the most part, as a white person, you never need to use the N-word. Right? It's not like need. For example, I've gone this entire story saying the N-word and everyone has understood exactly what I've meant. Right? Nobody's sitting at home going, Nutella? Neanderthal? Nelly Furtado? Why is Trevor being so vague? What is the word? In fact, here, here's, a, here's a life hack for white people. Saying the actual N-word puts you in unnecessary trouble, especially if you're not racist. It doesn't matter the context because black people don't have the time to sit down and sort out the racist who says the N-word 70 times with the non-racist who says the N-word 70 times. Black people are dealing with too much shit. No, no, look, look at how I was using it. No, dude, no one's got the time for that. Just stop saying it or just be racist. It's easier for everyone that way. So look, I'm glad, I'm glad that Joe Rogan has gone, you know what, I don't, I didn't need to use that word all those times because people need to learn and I'm glad that he has, right? So Joe Rogan is saying that him using the word in context wasn't racist, but it was ignorant and not cool. Okay, fine. But don't forget, there's also the story where Joe Rogan calls black people apes. And so for that part of the apology, Joe Rogan says this. I did not, nor would I ever say that black people are apes, but it sure fucking sounded like that. I was just saying, there's a lot of black people there. But then I went on to talk about what a positive experience it was and how much fun it was to go to see this movie in a black neighborhood. It wasn't a racist story, but it sounded terrible. It's a fucking idiotic thing to say. And I was just trying to be entertaining. I certainly wasn't trying to be racist. And I certainly would never want to offend someone for entertainment with something as stupid as racism. All right, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I have a few issues with this part of the video. First of all, he says he would never say black people are apes, but he said that. He, that's literally what he said. If you said you walked into a black place and it was Planet of the Apes, then you've said that. You've said, you can't be like, oh no, I, I didn't say it. You did say it, which is racist, right? And it's not just racist. Like, let's, let's be honest about it. It's not just racist. That's like OG racism. That's like, like the original old school, ra- like that's on the Mount Rushmore of racism, you know? Black people are apes. It's right next to burning crosses and then like every Bugs Bunny cartoon from the 1940s. What I found particularly illuminating is, is, is when he says, I wasn't being racist. I was just being entertaining. No, Joe, I think you were using racism to be entertaining. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying you were trying to offend black people, by the way, but you knew that offending black people would get a laugh out of those white friends that you were with. And please understand this, understand this, guys. I'm a comedian, right? Which you would know if I had a live audience right now. Yeah, (laughs) they would be like, ha ha, Trevor, you're the greatest of all time, (laughs) ha ha ha. Yeah, but I am a comedian and I love making jokes. 
and I love hearing jokes. And I love, I love all kinds of jokes, right? I love safe jokes. I like dark jokes. I like jokes. But just because something is a joke doesn't mean it can't be something else as well. Because a joke can be racist, right? In fact, a joke can be racist and funny if you're telling it to the right crowd. It's no joke with somebody, it's never funny. Yeah, someone can find it funny. But the laughs don't mean that there's no racism. Think of it this way, think of it this way. If I rob a bank and I get busted, I can't defend myself by saying, nah, guys, I did it as a joke. Yeah, but you pistol whipped the bank teller. Yeah, but, uh, but I made a funny sound when I did it. I was like, give me the money, bitch. So do I get to go now? So yeah, Joe Rogan is saying that he would never say something racist. And now, because of that, obviously, in the video, a lot of his fans are like, yeah, he would never say something racist. It's just a joke, you guys are uptight. He would never say something racist. A joke is not racist. And you know what? I, I can have my opinion, and you can have your opinion, fine. But you know whose opinion I think matters more than most people? is Joe Rogan. And here's what Joe Rogan said about his joke when he said it. We walk into Planet of the Apes. <laughs> we walked into Africa, dude. We, we, we walked in the door and there was no white people. There was no white people. We, Planet of the Apes didn't take place in Africa. Just, that was a racist thing for me to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is a racist thing for you to say. You saying it's racist, but then in the video you're gonna be like, oh, it just wasn't, wasn't racist. Joe Rogan said a racist thing and then immediately acknowledged that it was racist. Literally when he said it, he said it and then he's like, well, that was racist. And then now he's like, I would never, never say a racist. Like, you know, this whole thing makes me go like, why are people so adamant that it wasn't racist? Why, like, why do people, people do a thing that's racist and then they go like, no, it's not racist. Can I, can I be honest with you? Honestly, I'm not a scholar. I'm not like the, the, the whatever, this is my opinion. I think it's because people are just truly petrified of having the label racist branded on them for life. That's what people are really afraid of. No one wants to be called a racist because then they're like, how long am I a racist for? Does it, like, am I racist for life? Am I racist, I can't get jobs? Am I, no, I just wanna be racist, but I don't wanna be called a racist, which is understandable. But it also makes people unable to admit when they say or do something racist, right? They would rather down the hill of them not being racist, even if it means giving convoluted excuses that don't make any sense. So anyway, after all those videos come out, Joe Rogan got into even more hot water. Yeah, more artists spoke out. The Rock pulled his support. And now, because of that, more of his podcast videos are coming under scrutiny, right? There's a video where Rogan is promoting the Proud Boys. Uh, there's, there's videos where he's laughing about like female comedians being forced to perform sexual favors in exchange for stage time. Like the videos, they're horrible and they just keep coming. And if there's something you, you, you shouldn't have said in public, basically, Rogan has said it on his podcast, which as you can imagine, is a pretty big problem for Spotify. Because now, they own $100 million worth of problems. So this weekend, after dealing with all the episodes with vaccine information, Spotify was now scrambling to take down all the offensive episodes that they could find. In fact, I, I think we have some footage of Spotify headquarters over the weekend. We are taking heavy fire. I need you to delete those podcasts. We're deleting them as fast as we can. We're still getting backlash from the vaccines. I can't make it stop. New reports of misogyny are popping up everywhere. Sir, incoming cleaner of the ape story. Those bastards never stood a chance. No, but for real though, Spotify is having a, a hell of a time navigating this situation. Um, and you can tell like how tough this is from the response of their CEO. 
Spotify and its CEO Daniel Ek responding to the latest controversy around the Joe Rogan experience in a memo to staff. Ek said, quote, not only are some of Joe Rogan's comments incredibly hurtful, I want to make clear that they do not represent the values of the company. Ek adding, he does not believe silencing Rogan is the answer. Ek said he is committing $100 million, the same amount as Rogan's reported contract, to license, develop, and market audio content from creators from historically marginalized groups. Ah, man, you gotta feel bad for Spotify. You know, they just wanna be a company that screws over musicians and now they gotta deal with racism? Ah, they just can't catch a break. But yeah, Spotify will spend Joe Rogan's exact salary on amplifying the voices of marginalized groups. That's what they say they're gonna do. Which I guess is supposed to make them look good, but it's also kind of an admission that Rogan's podcast is bad for those groups, right? Like, otherwise you wouldn't need to balance him out. Does that make sense? Like, there's a reason that Spotify has never been forced to give $100 million to marginalized groups because of this American life. I mean, whipping out your checkbook is the classic sign that you know you f***ed up. It's not real accountability. It's how rich dudes get out of car accidents when they know that it was their fault. You know, it's just like, wow, looks like I really wrecked you there. <laughs> so how much does a new kid cost these days? <laughs> Two million? Three? <laughs> You see, that was, a, that was a dark joke. And if I had an audience right now, they'd be like, ha, ah, why are you saying that about children, Trev, boo? And Spotify can say that Rogan's comments don't represent the company's values. You know, that's what they said. They said, these podcasts do not represent Spotify's values. But like when companies say that, I'm like, guys, clearly the company's values are making money. Like, and no shade, by the way. Those are the values of every company. You know, part of me actually wishes that Spotify would just drop the facade, just come out and be like, we do not believe in silencing Joe Rogan because he makes us money. But if at some point he ends up costing us money, then we will drop him because money. So, is Joe Rogan a racist because he said these things? I mean, people are gonna go back and forth forever on this. You know, it it almost made me think, maybe the question we should be asking is, at what point is a person a racist? Is it when they do a racist thing? Or is it when they do many racist things? Or is it it about the severity of the racism? And then how do you measure the severity of racism? The truth is everyone is gonna have their own answer. You know, Spotify has chosen theirs. And as for Joe Rogan, he says he's learned his lesson. And I hope he has. But I will say if I were him, I wouldn't walk into a cinema in a black neighborhood for a little while. All right, when we come back, the head of the EPA will be joining me on the show to tell me where you are most likely to get cancer. So stay tuned. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is Michael Regan, the first black male administrator to lead the Environmental Protection Agency. He's here to talk about his tour of Cancer Alley and advancing environmental justice. Administrator Regan. Welcome to The Daily Show. Thank you, glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here, uh, you know, because I mean, this is the environment. We're all in the environment and you are now tasked with, um, I mean, essentially making sure that we we can breathe, we can drink water and we can live. I feel like your life sort of set you up for this because Uh if if my research is correct, you grew up, um, was it with a type of asthma? Yeah, a type of a a respiratory uh, illness where anytime there was an ozone action day or a lot of pollution, Uh I'd struggle. And that was 
really a, a setback for me because I grew up hunting and fishing with my father and grandfather. Uh-huh. So being outdoors meant everything to me because it was a cultural experience, learning from them and being with them. And any moment that I missed being with them, uh, I was in the house because I was on that inhaler uh, or worried about some pollution. Right, right, right. I feel so, like that's a, it's, a, it's an origin story. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah you know? well. It's like the pollution affected your ability to have fun with your family. You're like, I'm gonna get you pollution. <laughs> and look at you now, administrator of the EPA. Unfortunately, we learn every day about communities around America where they don't have water that is not polluted by industries that are up the road or up the stream because of the color of their skin. Nobody cares. I mean, you, you read the history of America. Every single time people plan where to put a factory or how the factory will affect the neighborhood, it's never in a rich neighborhood. It's never in a nice neighborhood. It's always in a place where the people there have the least access to power to oppose that. How does the EPA step in and how do you, how do you, how do you change things like Cancer Alley, which is, uh, which is insane to even have as a name in a country? It is. And everything I do at EPA is through the lens of environmental justice. Contracting, procurement, air quality, water quality, land management starts with, are we protecting the least amongst us, those who have lacked political representation mm-hmm. and those who have not been at the table for decades? And to your point, uh, systemic racism is by design and the environment is no different than policing or you know, incarceration mm-hmm. or housing. And so this administration has an all of the above, all of government approach. So as I think about lead and the eradication of lead in this country, I'm partnering with the Secretary of Housing who is thinking about lead paint while I'm thinking about water. This is about making sure that we protect all people. And I'm excited to be on this team. I'll be honest with you. Here's the dilemma though. You have a a wonderful outlook. You wanna do things. The the counter is always money. Money and the interests of money. So you say, I want to protect this land. I want to protect this stream. Money says, oh, we want to, we want to turn that into uh, like an oil pipeline or we want to do something with this land where we're going to destroy the vegetation but, also, but create jobs and money. How do, you, how do you manage that as the head of the EPA? Yes. Knowing full well that the people with money are going to put pressure on your bosses to say like, no, 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 too much environment, we need money. Oh yeah, money is absolutely both a blessing and a curse. And here's the reality. Uh, We are convinced that you have to choose between jobs, economic prosperity and development and protecting people on the planet. And you don't. It requires all levels of government working with communities to determine what's best and how to do it. And the thing circling back to environmental justice, you don't have to put every refinery and every pipeline in every black and brown neighborhood or cutting across every tribal Uh, community or reservation. There are ways to think about how we do economic development and create jobs in a way that don't overly burden certain communities. Mm. And by the way, when we think about climate change and clean energy, this is about taking advantage of the future. Our economy and society is evolving. Clean energy, clean opportunities, create opportunities for jobs and economic development. So it makes this country more globally competitive if we get the jump on countries like China, India, and others to deploy these practices at home. And by the way, deploy them at home. And if we start with the most polluted areas, we will be starting with the people who who are the least amongst us and can handle these disproportionate pollution impacts. So start there, 
protect those people, mm -hmm. create jobs in those communities, right. move forward to a clean energy economy, and continue to be globally dominant. That's the way we should be thinking about this. Many people like the idea of clean energy. Mm -hmm. Changing to the clean energy seems like that's gonna be the biggest hurdle of all, you know? I love clean energy, but I also know that we won't be able to wean ourselves off of coal tomorrow. We won't be able to not we'll stop using oil tomorrow not just because of our need, but also because of the energy, uh, the, the people who work in those industries. Yes. What do you think a realistic outlook is? You wanna keep moving forward, right? but you don't wanna be in a place where all of a sudden you cut off your nose to spite your face. So how do you find that balance of progress whilst also not alienating what we do today? I mean, this is why I have conversations with the Secretary of the Department of Defense, Labor, Commerce, uh, energy. It takes uh, planning across government. The reality is, is at one point in time, people liked their rotary phones. And then all of a sudden, we had iPhones. If we create platforms, technology will move to those platforms mm. and drive society forward. If we can have an electric grid that's just as smart as the web, and we can put clean energy uh, apps on this platform. Oh, that's interesting. Then you get society moving forward. And by the way, so, in a way, you, if I, sorry to interrupt you, you're almost saying we, we're still in like the dumb energy phase of how we use electricity and how we, how Absolutely. we, how we root it around a town or around a city or country. Absolutely. And if we want to take advantage of society moving forward, we all know we have to master technologies and we have to do it before other countries do it. Mm -hmm. So again, this is just as much about national security as it is about saving the planet and creating jobs. The question is, do we not take these opportunities mm -hmm. because of political rhetoric? Why should we not move forward and create new jobs and participate in global competitiveness and let technologies make life for us smarter and easier because we want to hold on to the past? That's where moneyed interests really do hamstring Americans moving forward and hamstrings national security. Right, we should right, not right. be tied to the old way just because a lot of people with influence are making money through the old mechanisms. Well, you know what, your enthusiasm is infectious. Uh, I don't know if you can ever remove politics from anything in America, but uh, good luck in trying. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you. Wonderful having you here. All right, thank you so much again to Administrator Regan. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Take the politics out. That's all of it. Right. Everything in America. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, please consider supporting Young, Black, and Lit. They're an organization that sources and distributes new books featuring black main characters to elementary and middle schools at no cost. So if you want to support them in their work promoting access to children's books that reflect the experiences of black children, then please donate at the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, if Spotify offers you $100 million, don't take it. It's just not worth it. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central. And stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.